Good morning, friends. It is 9 a.m., and that means it's time, 9 a.m. Friday morning, for a little time in God's Word. You know, over the last number of weeks, we had sort of done more of an apologetic series than, than looking at God's Word. And I promised that the next time we gathered on a Friday morning that, that we'd be back into the Scriptures and discussing uh, something that, uh, you know, was more normal for a devotion. And indeed, we're going to do that today by looking at Psalm 3, that which I have entitled, well, uh, A Psalm for the Overwhelmed. And uh, I don't know about you, uh, but I know that uh, certainly over the last year, but really in all seasons of life, there are going to be times where we feel overwhelmed by uh, just everything around us to varying degrees or another. And it feels as if we uh, sometimes can't handle it. Well, you know, one of the great ways that the scriptures show humanity expressing that sentiment is in the Psalms, these songs written by real flesh and blood human beings about everyday life experiences. You have them expressing jealousy. You have them expressing rage against their enemies. You have them uh, expressing disappointment with God. The Psalms really do kind of span the whole scope of human emotions. And and so they're a great resource for us to dive into whenever we're dealing with a particular emotion or a particular stress in our life. The Psalms have a word to say about all of it. And that certainly is the case with Psalm 3, the Psalm we're going to be looking at today. Now, we have to get a little context of the Psalm before we can just dive right in. Uh, if you have a Bible with you or you were to have a Bible, you don't have to get one out right now, you would notice that it says before we get into the actual text of the psalm, a little introduction about, well, the context of when it was written. It says, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. Now, what is going on there? Well, if we turn to the pages of 2 Samuel, eh, basically 13 through 17 or so, a little further maybe, uh, you're going to find the story of what happens with David and his son Absalom. I'll try and sum it up for you. Uh, long story short, David has many children. One of those children, one of those sons, Ammon, rapes his stepsister Tamar, who is Absalom's full sister. Absalom is very upset about this, eventually takes revenge on Ammon and has him killed, and then uses that as an opportunity to rebel against his father, David, who is the king of Israel at the time, trying to usurp his authority and become king himself. And he gains such strength in doing this and such a following that David is eventually forced to flee from the city of Jerusalem and to take cover, to take refuge. And yet it's from his own son, and we know from the pages of Scripture that he had a deep love for this son. And so you have, in the context of when this psalm is written, family strife. You have national strife because David is the king. Uh, and, and you have all sorts of um, just terrible pain. Now, uh, we know that David's life was not easy. There was lots of struggles, some of it indeed brought on by his own actions. Um, but this was, this was insanely difficult for him to go through. And we're told at one point in 2 Samuel chapter 16 that David, uh, David is just brought to the point of weeping over his situation. Interestingly, 
he's at the Mount of Olives when he is weeping over his situation, and there is good reason to believe that he could have written the psalm before us today while he was weeping at the Mount of Olives. If that sounds familiar to you, it should, because that is indeed where Jesus wept, and indeed sweat drops of blood uh, the night he was to be arrested, and then eventually uh, taken to crucifixion. And so this mount seems to be a place that lots of important people have mourned over their uh, betrayal or abandonment, uh, etc. That's the second thing that leads really to the second thing I want to point out. When we read the Psalms, we always have to read them in context of the greater overall story, the greater overall narrative. What's the greater overall story and greater overall narrative in the Psalms always? Really in all of Scripture? Jesus. It's always pointing to Christ. And so there's a sense in which when you read the Psalms, you could see them as being the words that Jesus ultimately fulfills. That will certainly come through in today's psalm. But then there's a third point here that you need to know before we dive into the words, and that is because it is a real human being expressing real emotions, that we can also apply this psalm to our modern day life in the struggles that we face as well. So there's there's really three points that we should keep in mind really when whenever we come to the scriptures, whether it be a psalm or anything else. One, original historical context. Why was it written? Two, how does it point us to Christ? And three, how does this apply to my life today? That's a very broad hermeneutical guide, interpretive guide for when we come to the scriptures. All right, enough background. David writes, Oh Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Now go back to what I just said in our introductory time. David is writing, uh, acknowledging that there's a lot of people saying, yeah, he puts his hope in God. Let's see if God will deliver him from Absalom's great strength, almost mockingly. Now, of course, we see those very words fulfilled at the cross of Christ, too, when people are mocking him for depending on God, even as he's got nails in both his wrists and his feet. He still is hoping in God, and they mock him for it. And indeed, folks, there will be some throughout all of human history that will look at those who follow Christ today, uh, whether we're dealing with persecution or difficulty or whatever it is, and will find it to be ridiculous that we still hope in God in the midst of tragedy and suffering and difficulty. Yes, that's true. Don't be surprised if you come across those people, especially if you spend some time on social media, you definitely will come across those people. Um, that's par for the course. There will always be some that say, yeah, let's see if your God can help you in the midst of this tragedy, in the midst of this difficulty. David continues, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I love that picture. David is bowed down with tears, weeping, unable to uh, see a way out of his trouble. And so he just looks up. And God actually is the one that lifts his head up. I, so even the, even the very ability to look up from when you're in the bottom of the pit to God is ultimately his work, the work of the Spirit, causing us to have our eyes refocused. 
And what does he do when his head is lifted up? I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Now, the holy hill, of course, was where the Temple Mount was in Jerusalem. And so David sees, remembers that God's presence is there and is comforted by that fact. What holy hill do we look to to get our answers for how God feels about us or how God, what God's will is for our life? Well, the hill of Calvary. We look to the hill of the cross. And on that hill, we see that it is indeed God's will to ultimately deliver us from our enemies, especially the spiritual enemies that are coming after us, the principalities and the rulers and the authorities. You, you know, you might read a psalm like this and go, you know, I don't have that many physical enemies. I don't think I have people chasing after me like David did that want to kill me. But you always got to remember that the scriptures say the devil prowls around, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. There is a real spiritual war going on, and they're just as real, indeed more real enemies than any enemy we may face here. And indeed, when we're feeling oppressed, when we're feeling accused over our sin and our failures and our shortcomings, we don't look to ourselves for the strength we need. No, the Spirit lifts our head and reminds us of what was accomplished on the cross for us and the power that God has to raise people from the dead in order to defeat back death, uh, hell, the devil, and yes, even our own flesh. And so we continue with the psalm, and I love it. I love this. He looks to God's holy hill and finds a sense of peace. And then what does he do next? So, so helpful. I lay down and slept. Folks, fellas, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to get super practical with you. There are times where you're feeling overwhelmed and your natural tendency is to spin around like a top trying to figure out some solution to the problem. I've been there a million and a half times. Do you know what I've found to be very, very helpful even when I really don't want to do it? Laying down and taking a nap. Now I realize that's not easy all the time for a whole lot of us. I know we've got busy work schedules. We've got kids demanding of us. We've got meals to make and laundry to do. And I understand, believe me, I get it. I'm a father of three kids. I understand. And I think up until I hit about 40, I tended to resist the nap at all costs. But I got to tell you, there have been so many times when I have been spinning like a top, unable to figure out how to deal with the problem before me, where I have just decided I can't do anything about it. I'm just going to lay down for a little bit. And folks, it resets the whole thing. It gives you clarity. David says, I lay down and slept. <laughs> I love that. In the midst of weeping and tears and under attack, I took a nappy. And guess what? It recentered my perspective because he says right after that, I woke again for the Lord sustained me. There's this recognition. I mean, you know, in some ways, there's never greater faith displayed than when we go to sleep. Right? I mean, you literally can't do anything and you have no power over when you're going to wake up. And yet, or if you're going to wake up. And so if you do, there's this reality, this recognition that like, God's got me. 
even when I don't got myself because I'm not able to do anything to help myself in the midst of sleeping. And so David says, I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Indeed, Jesus would say the same thing from the cross. And folks, you and I can say the same thing too. We don't have to be afraid of the enemies that come after us because we know that it is the Lord who sustains us. It is the Lord who brings resurrection out of death as he did for Christ our Lord. And it is ultimately the Lord that provides deliverance for David in the story of him in Absalom, as painful as it may have been. And so David says triumphantly, after he started off overwhelmed and feeling like he had no victory, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on my cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. And so what you see in this psalm is something you see all the time in the psalms because it really does reflect sort of human psychology, like real life human stuff. That when we, when we stop and number one, acknowledge the problems that we're feeling, not sugarcoat it, not pretend like they're not there, but when we just acknowledge, I'm overwhelmed, I don't have answers, I'm frustrated, everybody thinks that I'm depending on you foolishly because nothing seems to be changing. When we stop and acknowledge the problem, Secondly, remember what's been done about the problem in Jesus Christ our Lord, looking to the holy hill that he died for our sins to deliver us from the pursuers of our soul. Then, folks, we actually find rest for our souls and our confidence is filled up again because we remember that, yes, ultimately salvation belongs to the Lord and that his blessings are on his people. So that's true for you today as you enter this weekend. I don't know what kinds of overwhelming things you're, you're uh, dealing with. But I do know that God is there to give you rest and that he will give you rest. So if you need to take a, take a break today and you can find a time to even get away for a few minutes, do it. Meditate on the promises of God to you. Hope in him. He will not disappoint.